It's September 16, 2015, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. Starting off this hour in a bit, we will have Guy Kawasaki. He's calling in to tell us about a panel happening tonight called What Can Hawaii Teach America About Race? Then we hope Frank Dorego from the Maui Economic Development Board will also join us by phone to tell us about venturing out, exploring the world of venture capital. And finally, for the uh, remainder of the hour, we've got uh, Louis Salaveria and Georgia Skinner from DBID, and we'll find about find out about Future Focus, uh, which is a conference coming up, and we'll also talk about broadband, creative media, and, of course, other DBED initiatives. And, of course, we'd love your thoughts or questions as part of the conversation, but you might not uh, be able to get through <laughs> as we have another use for our phone lines in this hour. And Bert. I'm going to reveal that use right now. Well, you've heard of the phrase, birds of a feather stick together. Well, HPR's members are sticking by their public radio station. We've already taken calls from 184 early bird donors, and we've got a couple of them here. We've got Shirley Mendoza. Yeah, we also want to say thank you to Gail Harimoto from Pearl City. We've got Steve uh, Steve Kendall from Hilo. Thomas Hello. Wade from Kapolei. Thank you very much. And, of course, we've got uh, Fred Dosher from Kailua Kona. Mahalo to you guys for being early bird pledgers. And, and of course, uh, if you'd also like to be an early bird, you can call now with a minimum pledge of $150. You qualify for the bonus gift of 250 Hawaiian miles. They're only available to the first 300 donors, and we have just 116 more to go. So now there's an unlimited number of bonuses for first-time HBR members. First-timers pledge $150 or more. Request your additional 500 miles hmm. and join the nine others who've just become HPR supporters. And, of course, that number to call is 941-3689 or toll-free, 877-941-3689. You can, you can pledge online, of course, also at hawaiipublicradio.org. And Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for your support. And, of course, we want to welcome Guy Kawasaki. He's an Ilani grad. And Kawasaki also went on to become a software evangelist for Apple Computer. Today, he's a renowned speaker, author, and entrepreneur, and chief evangelist at Canva, an online graphic design company. He joins us by phone, and he's going to tell us about a panel called What Can Hawaii Teach America About Race? Welcome to the show, Guy. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm I'm already pledged, man. All right. Okay. Good. We'll take your numbers after after our chat. You know, if I can lay claim to have marketed something to Guy, I mean that I can put Ah, that in my resume. You could. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Guy, you know we um, we love having you on, and you know we got we cannot uh, um, help to ask you a couple of. Apple questions. I hope you're sure. ready ready Far for it. Okay, so uh, just a couple of weeks ago, was it last, last Wednesday? Week? Last yeah. Wednesday, right? Um, big announcement from Apple Computer. They announced their iPhone 6S, yep. 6S Plus, uh, iPad Pro, Apple TV. Yep. yep. I want to hear your professional comments about what you think about the latest Apple announcements. Uh, given the oh. fact that you're an Apple, or we're an Apple evangelist, I mean, we're, well, we're all ready for the best. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, it was pretty good new features. Uh, I think this kind of pressure-sensitive interface is very interesting. Mm-hmm, the 3D uh, touch. But I, I, I can't say that I was blown away, hmm. but it may be that at this stage of the product life cycle, it's difficult to get blown away. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of a mature world these days. And if you're an Android supporter, 
mm-hmm. uh, which I I love Android. Uh, you know, you could kind of make the case that everything that was announced you kind of had already in oh, Android. Oh, right? absolutely! All of my Microsoft Surface loving friends uh, spent the most of that day poking me and nudging me and saying, "Hey, welcome to 2009, buddy." <laughs> but uh, I can totally understand that. Well, but you know, let me tell you something. In a sense, there's justice in the world, right? So Microsoft copies the Macintosh user interface and claims to have invented you know, intuitive computing, and now Apple copies Surface and claims to have invented big tablets. So, you know, it's like little justice in the world. Now, Guy, I mean, uh, generally, so you're saying, you know, given the light product life cycle, it's just the next iPhone, the next iPad. Apple TV, I thought, was interesting, but it's more set-top boxiness, and certainly Apple's not the leader in that space. Um, as a technology person, and I love following you on Twitter and on Facebook, what right now are you actually excited about? What What should we lesser nerds be flocking <laughs> to? <laughs> well, one thing is to follow what Sony is doing with mirrorless cameras. Huh. So the Sony uh, Alpha series, the A7R, A7S, R stands for resolution, S stands for sensitivity. Uh, man, they are really great cameras. And, you know, I have to disclose, they gave me a few, but wow, fantastic cameras. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, so I'm very happy. I have an iPhone 6 Plus. Uh, the moment I drop it or lose it, I'll get a <laughs> 6 S plus, sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just looking for that excuse, uh, and you know what I like is this this concept of the one and a half seconds before and after a picture. There's a little you know, sort of automatic video oh, show. The live, the live photos, photos. otherwise known yeah. as Harry Potter newspaper yeah. photos. Yeah, and yeah. if Facebook supports that in post, I think that is a huge deal. I so agree. because I'm just you know a s'more, which is <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't tell you what I know what that is or, a social media. Okay. Or, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 guy, do you think that the iPad Pro is a real kind of a game changing platform post post PC uh, post laptop platform? Game changing is pretty strong. Right? Mm. So that large iPad with a pencil or mm-hmm. a pencil, mm-hmm. it is a great tool for graphic artists, designers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, Canva is in the business of graphic design, mm-hmm. so we appreciate it, but. Is it a game changer? That, that is a hard test. Okay. We'll find out probably in about a, a year. Well, tell us a little <laughs> yeah. bit about Canva because that's a, that's a cool product, and you know I've used it. It's really straightforward, easy, and I love it. Yeah, so Canva is an online graphic design service, and it is basically a fast, free, easy version of Photoshop. So if you want to create graphics for social media, for advertising, for email hitters, basically everything you need to create in graphics, we have a template and a design done for you as a quick start. And so, uh, you know, we signed up tens of thousands of people a day for this service. It's doing extremely well. All right. Well, I definitely want to check it out. I know I've seen some of the posts you've made with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea of a simpler Photoshop because I still feel like I need a master's degree to kind of get into that. But yeah. we do want to well, hear... I, I oh. tell people that you can create a graphic with Canva faster than you can boot Photoshop. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, Guy, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that you couldn't make it to the studio, but I know you're at an event that you came all the way to Hawaii for. Tell us a little yes. bit about this uh, panel that you're yes. going to be participating yes, so this in. This is a panel, uh, and the, the topic is sort of race relations and stuff in Hawaii. I'm not in Hawaii, in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I think the rest of the United States could learn a lot from Hawaii. So 
the people who are on the panel are Daniel, Daniel Day Kim, mm-hmm. uh, me, Maya Satoru Ng, Corbett Kalama, and Leslie Wilcox, mm-hmm. so your boss. Well, uh, well, no, that's PBS. This is no, Hawaii Public Radio. No, sorry. <laughs> that, that's okay. But we're very good friends with yes. uh, Leslie okay. Wilcox. Your friend's boss. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it's very interesting. And, and coming from Hawaii, I have to say, when I moved to the mainland, I had a very different perspective oh, yeah. on race and, and all the issues. So, so you know, Guy, you're, you've, you've been um, jet Traveling around, and and you 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 graduated from Iolani School, but uh, certainly major bones in Silicon Valley and in the tech world. Um, so you have a unique perspective, and I'm sure you have a lot to say specifically at your panel. But um, is there a, 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 a basic thought that you'd like to share in terms of as someone who's sort of observed things in Hawaii, certainly? Uh, Obama becoming president, our first uh, multicultural president, and uh, certainly a lot of controversy about his uh, heritage and such. So you are outside of Hawaii looking back at how Hawaii might have managed similar conversations and questions. Um, What do you think is one of the takeaways that Hawaii can teach America about race? Well, let me give you a story. Uh, The story actually happened in California, but my father is integral to this story. Mm -hmm. So it's Hawaii and California, okay? So one day, I'm uh, living in San Francisco on a very nice street in San Francisco, and I'm outside, and I am trimming the hedge, okay? Mm -hmm. And this older white woman comes up to me and says, you're doing such a great job trimming the hedge. Do you also do lawn? (laughs) (laughs) Okay? You can tell where this story is going, right? Well, you know, if you was in my neighborhood, I would ask you the same thing. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. So so I, I like... You know, I'm like all offended, right? Uh-huh. So I told my father this, and I'm Sansei, so he's Nisei, and I tell my father this, and I expect him to be all offended and everything, right? And he says to me, you know what, son? Statistically, she was probably right, so get over it. <laughs> and, and that sets the tone for the rest of my life, that story. In other words, you know, suck it up, it ain't personal, and get on with life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds good. So this is taking place uh, over at one of our favorite uh Hangout spots is over at Agora, yep. right? Kaka'ako. Right, right, right. So, and that's what happening at six o'clock, and uh, I think you guys will have a, a great time over there. Yeah, there's. Are there still seats? Do people still get in? I I think so. It's a free event, right? Well, there were limited yeah, just seats. Show up. Yeah. <laughs> if Guy Kawasaki <laughs> says you Daniel can. Daniel Day Kim just walked in the building. Oh, uh-huh. oh cool, cool. Well, Guy, yeah. we want to thank you for uh, joining us and uh, have a good time. Uh, you know, at the. Uh, panel and uh you know next time give us a little heads up and we want to have you get back in the studio here okay i'll i'll try to make it sometime thanks. all right okay Bye. thanks guy mahalo guy and of course now joining us uh by phone from maui this time is frank derego and he's from the maui economic development board and he's going to tell us about uh, an upcoming workshop called venturing out exploring the world of venture capital welcome frank Thank you very much, Bert. Um, I am uh, glad to be on this evening. Uh, we're in the midst of our Amos conference here right now at the uh, Marriott. And what is what is what is Amos? Is that the uh, the um, uh, Maui uh, Optical Surveillance? That's right. Wow! I, I should know that because of MHPCC. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so we have about over five hundred rocket scientists. If you want to put it that way. Here, very high-level conversations about uh, space debris, 
tracking space debris, tracking geosynchronous orbit mm-hmm. objects, mm-hmm. satellites, uh, how to uh, prevent conflicts and uh, what they call conjunctions between these uh, uh, pieces of uh, metal flying through the sky at uh, 20,000 miles per second. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fantastic conference. It's the only conference like this in the world where uh, peace and security are uh, actually at stake uh, in terms of knowing where all this stuff is, uh, especially from as many countries now that are putting uh, satellites and uh, now they have these micro-satellites uh, that they're putting in uh, in space. So it's a fascinating conference, and uh, MEDB has always, uh, for the last 16 years, has been happy to uh, sponsor it. Great, great. So tell us, uh, what's uh, what's happening with this venture out? Venturing well, out. Venturing, oh, well, the original, uh, do you know Greg Kim uh, from Convergent Law Group? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh-huh. He's uh, actually, it's a Silicon-based uh, firm focusing on technology companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also president of uh, Business Law Corps, um, and, uh, which is a nonprofit uh, group of lawyers that actually gives uh, free business advice uh, to uh, small startups and to small businesses as a way of giving back to the community. It's a, it's a great organization. There's a lot of fine lawyers in it, and uh, Greg Kim is uh, president, and Kat Pashner is uh, vice president. I'm trying to remember which law firm she's with, but I can't just mm-hmm. remember just uh, right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, they've, they've offered, as you know, uh, from our further past conversations, uh, Maui has a growing uh, software development and graphic design community on Maui. There's a lot of people kind of hidden in the, in the wings there. Uh, there's a large and growing tech community here because not only the tech park, but of uh, other kinds of uh, people working remotely for companies. They're living in Haiku, and they're living in Makawao. And uh, what we've attempted to do is try to bring these people together. A lot of them are a part of Tech Hui. Mm-hmm. And uh, how this, uh, I think the Greg puts it as that Maui is at the point where Oahu was about 10 or 15 years ago in terms of building a critical mass of people in the tech arena that uh, would be interested in starting their own businesses and start emerging growth companies. So mm-hmm. he thought that it would be a perfect time to start talking about uh, the kind of capital to grow your company, to achieve success, and give a little people more information about uh, not only the benefits but the risks involved, what does it mean to uh, seek venture capital, how does it work, how do you raise it, what makes that uh, venture capital tick, you know, how do you prepare your company for it, mm-hmm. and then basically how does Hawaii fit into this whole world, right? Because when we think of venture capital, we usually think of uh, San Jose or Seattle or, you know, uh, the big places on the West Coast or out on the East Coast. So, uh, so it's, a, it's a great uh, opportunity for those in the tech and biotech industries that are sort of on Maui to be able to uh, at least start investigating the idea of venture capital, the idea of um, making up their own startup. Um, and, no, that's great. That's uh, great. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, there's there seems to be like a, a growing, I think, um, number of not only workshops but activities going on. Like uh, Startup Weekend is is also hap- happens on Maui, and 
You know, right. there's uh, there's uh, the, the the maker the maker groups that are on Maui. Maui. Makers, yeah, yeah, the Maui makers and yes, Maui makers. Laura Ulaberry from uh, actually she's with the AFRL. She's also here at the conference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, so so when when um, what are some of the details around when the conference is and and uh, how can someone yeah, find out about it? Okay, yeah. Well, well uh, it's on Thursday, September 24th. It goes from 9:30 in the morning. Just registration. The 2.15 in the afternoon. Uh, the first is a two-hour seminar from 10 a.m. to 12 on how to raise venture capital. We have a great group uh, here. Uh, Warren Doy, I think you know him, mm-hmm. from uh, the Hawaii Accelerate, Energy Accelerator. He's going to be part of the panel. Uh, mm-hmm. Donovan Kealoha, mm-hmm. uh, senior associate at uh, Startup Capital Ventures. Um, uh, also, Lanai Boy, by the way. Uh, Greg Kim, of course, I mentioned him. Mm-hmm. We're going to also have uh, through Emblem. We've got okay. Uh, we got the Rao. Good, good, yeah. She's a startup advisor, founder, and a mentor. She actually was head of marketing at Zynga, and also worked at Gap, Sephora, and Netflix. Um, so right now she's a, a board uh, on the advisory board for Emblem, which is a local uh, venture capital uh, company that is located on Maui. Actually. Right, right on Maui. And then, uh, last but not least, we have Bill Richardson, who's uh, currently serving as Interim Director for the University of Hawaii Office of Technology Transfer and Economic Development. So we have quite a, quite a group that's going to be uh, on our panel. Uh, then we're going to have a lunch, and we're going to talk story a little bit. But the interesting thing about the afternoon from 12.45 to 2 p.m., uh, we have uh, three of our groups from the Startup Weekend, uh, uh-huh. The top three groups from our startup weekend are uh, 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 giving sample pitches and getting comments by the panel. So the, the, the people who are participating in the workshop will be able to see what a pitch looks like, okay, and what uh, comments a, a potential investor or someone who's in the world of venture capital would actually make, you know, based on those pitches. So it's sort of like an object lesson, if you want to put it that way. And we're going to have these three teams uh, sort of uh, come in and, and sort of repitch their idea from Startup Weekend about five or six months later to see how they've improved. Sounds good. And Sounds what good. they've done with uh, what, they, uh, what they did originally uh, with their startup company. So where can somebody find, uh, go and register for this? Just go to www.medg.org and uh, look up news and events. And you'll find the blog post for uh, venturing out, exploring the world with venture capital. You'll get more information, and the registration link will be right there. Sounds excellent. Thanks, Frank, for joining us. Okay. Well, no problem. And thanks for having me, Bert. Absolutely. We love to hear more about the uh, the Ex- startup scene and venture scene on, on the neighborhoods. Yep. Absolutely. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Louis Salaveria and Georgia Skinner from DBED and talk about the Future Focus Conference and other DBED initiatives. What does DBED view as the key strategies to position Hawaii for success in this 21st century? Of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts or questions as part of that conversation. We will be watching on Twitter. Uh, so you can tweet us at Bite Marks or at Hawaii. If you are interested in pledging, you should call the station at that number instead at 941-3689 or from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Well, maybe they'll, you know, if you have a question, you can give whoever answers the phone the question but and you they'll have to run it in. You have to pledge before you yeah, get yeah, to yeah, ask a question. Yeah, yeah, you can pledge and then they can run it in. <laughs> so that'll work for us. This is Bite Marks Cafe. 
This is Suzanne Vega's hit song, Tom's Diner. Now a musical composition has been made with the sounds that were lost when Tom's Diner was turned into an MP3. I'm Sarah McConnell. Join me for With Good Reason, Thursdays at 6.30 on Hawaii Public Radio. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Ethan Nickturn, author of The Road Home. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about a contemporary exploration of Buddhism. Sunday morning at 11. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Hawaii Supply. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today from the Biz- Department of Business Economic Development and Tourism are Louis Salaveria and Georgia Skinner. Louis is the director of DBEN. Of course, he was previously the deputy director over at Budget and Finance. How's Georgia? It, guys? Hi. Georgia, meanwhile, is the chief officer of the Creative Industries Division at DBED, and uh, we're going to see if we can find what DBED's key strategies are for economic development in Hawaii. And of course, while we would love your questions and comments, our well-known phone number, 941-3689 or 877-941-3689, is reserved for our current special, our early bird campaign special. So please call that number to give a pledge. And then, and then, if you have a question for our esteemed panel, you can tweet us on Twitter at Hawaii, or at Bite Marks. That's right. We're monitoring. That's right. But with that said, it is time to welcome these wonderful guests here, Louis and Georgia. Welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. How's it, guys? Thank you. Thank you great to be us. here with you. Well, it's really great uh, uh, and honor to have both of you uh, join us today. And, and uh, you know, Louis, uh, we got a preview of some of the things that uh, <laughs> you've got going on, and, and I, I wanted to definitely have you come on and Get a little more detailed, and of course we got you. You know, we got you uh, captive in in our studio here. So I, I brought I brought friends with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the the bodyguard Georgia. Right? That's it. So so first off, we want to talk a little bit about this uh, future focus conference because it seems like it's a pretty big deal. And I got you know I got a call from uh, a couple places, but um, you know I was looking at the lineup for this conference, and it's kind of a combination of some of the the federal contacts that we have, as well as bringing together some of the local activities going on with the accelerator. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a really cool cool opportunity. I want to give uh, you the opportunity to let us know what was the design behind this conference. Well, it it really started with an initiative that was uh, put together uh, by the Hawaii Business Roundtable. Mm -hmm. And so the Hawaii Business Roundtable and the University of Hawaii, you know, they're going to be hosting this event starting uh, September 23rd to the 24th. It's a day and a half event. Uh, and the title of the event is called Future Focus, Hawaii's Innovation Initiative Forum on Energy, Cybersecurity, and More. So it, it's going to encompass a lot of things. And a lot of it is really about 
what can we do to help leverage all of those resources that exist beyond Hawaii's borders? Mm-hmm. You know, the federal resources that exist. And then leveraging that with all of the assets that we have here in Hawaii. You know, our startup community, our university, all of the people that are really trying to, you know, break out this this innovation uh, sector of our of our economy going forward. So it, it, it's a great event. There's going to be feature presenta- uh, presentations there, interactive panel discussions, workshops, one-on-one sessions, and, and a networking reception, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking forward to it. Now, the idea to, I think, uh, connect with the federal contacts, uh, I think, was a very good one because uh, you know, we've we're we're trying to. I think Hawaii is sort of finding itself in terms of our relationship with the federal government. I mean, I know a lot of people have had relationships with departments and agencies, but you know, Senator Inoy was our kind of a key member of Congress yes. uh, at that time, and and he's no longer here with us. But you know, how do we now connect with those right agencies in the right departments that are funding stuff? And so, I think. This is kind of a good way of getting those people who are all the way across the country mm-hmm. to come to Hawaii and actually see what's going on. And, and you know, it, that brings up a good point. Yes, I, I think the loss with, uh, with with the late senator is definitely – it used to be a very easy back then. But I think what's happening now is that we we got to go out there. we got to aggressively pursue those opportunities, those initiatives, and put ourselves out in the forum. It's not going to just land in our lap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, this forum actually bringing these people together, what HBR did, what the university is trying to do, is trying to make sure that those connections are never lost. Mm-hmm. And Was it uh, hard? Was it hard to kind of connect with the right federal – uh, contacts and and get them to come over to Hawaii. Well, you know, uh, I I wasn't able to go, but the last time the the business roundtable, a couple of the M- MEDBs went uh, to uh, to Washington to actually look at some of the assets that they have, mm-hmm. and they were absolutely blown away mm-hmm. by what was there. Uh, you know, just the lab spaces, all of the different things, the tech transfer opportunities that exist, and you know, in their minds, they're thinking, we got to take advantage of this stuff. And so beyond, you know, the uh, the expectation that, you know, things are going to, you know, magically appear here in Hawaii, it really is to just go ahead and aggressively pursue it. This event really is a it's, – it's a kickoff of establishing that relationship so that we go out and we just grab the stuff that we want, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let, let's be aggressive, right? And Georgia, for this conference, is there uh, a key takeaway or a key message that you hope can be drilled into the to, – to those who, who are participating? I mean – either how well we are doing or how well we're poised for the future. Yeah, I I think it's a great opportunity. As Lewis said, it really is that mindset of uh, I think we're all living and breathing and carrying on the traditions that Senator Inouye gave us. But we are all forging new territory, new partnerships, and what better way to do it than in a room full of these great people, not only from here in Hawaii, but from, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the Washington, D.C. decision makers. I mean, we've had great, and the creative industry has had great success in working with the U.S. Department of Commerce and Economic Development um, (coughs) Administration, excuse me, uh, on supporting our creative lab, but a lot of what's being talked about in the innovation cluster and in the futures mm-hmm. all weaves in very tightly to the whole initiatives behind DVED's um, push for the future of developing an innovation economy here in the state. So we've been, you know, we've been following a lot of the um, I, I actually some of the folks that are on the agenda were <laughs> have been on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Energy accelerator is, yep. is kind of an emphasis, and I think. There is an opportunity for some energy 
funding to come into Hawaii. Uh, the other focus of the you know future focus is also cybersecurity, mm-hmm. and we've been noticing that. There have been some projects like Gen Cyber, the you know the NSA sort of funded project to get high school kids more exposed to going out and understanding what it you know is to defend your network. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, is the I guess is the purpose of this first one kind of to focus on energy and cybersecurity, and then do you see sort of branching out? Is that the beyond for maybe? The, other conferences the, the and that more. Come, yeah, and more. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes, I, I think there is a, a high degree of focus on uh, obvi- obviously energy and, and cybersecurity, and, and and not just because they're there, but because there's a lot of stuff going mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. in energy, especially. Uh, you know, I, I can't talk about enough what the 100% renewable portfolio standard that was just passed by legislation and signed into law by the governor has done in order to drive attention to Hawaii as the renewable capital of the world. So just that alone has drawn so much attention uh, that, uh, you know, the energy accelerator and the companies that are there, they're going to be the benef- beneficiaries of, of all of this attention. And what can they do to go out, find more resources, think of new stuff? Uh, this is innovation. When I think of innovation, I think, you know, thinking of new stuff. And, and this is where energy is going to play a key role. And obviously with the cybersecurity, because we have the large presence, uh, the federal presence over here, you know, and as well as our location, I keep on hearing, and, and I'm not an expert in, in, in cybersecurity by no means, but they always talk about, again, how Hawaii, because of our location, allows for certain things to happen because we, we can control, uh, you know, the network or the traffic or, mm-hmm. or you mm-hmm. name it, that it makes Hawaii a prime a prime spot to to have these types of initiatives here. Mm-hmm. You know, they keep on talking about the the cybersecurity firing range as one thing that mm-hmm. I heard about. I, you know, it, it's 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 mind blowing for 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 me. You know, <laughs> so uh, it, it is. It, there's a lot of things going on in that area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you're interested in this conference, it's the Future Focus, the Hawaii Innovation Initiatives Forum. It's on September 23rd and 24th. It'll be happening at the Hawaii Convention Center. Uh, you can go to uh, hawaii.edu/research and follow the links there uh, to find more information. Yeah. So that's uh, you know that's kind of. Uh I think an important uh, conference that hopefully will be repeated, uh, like an annual conference. That's the intention. That would be kind of a cool thing. Now, um, I wanted to sort of pivot a little bit and talk a little bit about the you know innovation economy because we've had the Hawaii Business Roundtable guys on and they put out the report and we you know we're talking about how all of the different uh, elements of the tech industry, which is now sort of being rephrased as the innovation. Uh, industry is is uh, kind of getting all pieced together, and um, what how, what do you see as some of the key kind of initiatives going on in DBID that are helping to foster that sort of environment of innovation? Well, the biggest thing really is the commitment by the administration to really expand our capabilities when it comes to broadband. I <laughs> know that's okay. We, we like the little background music, yes. Yeah, you know, it helps like, the mood. I feel like I'm in an the elevator mood of the show, you know. <laughs> So broadband certainly, I yeah. think, is yes, important. Yes, broadband is, uh, you know, we, we've made the commitment. Legislation was passed in the previous administration, uh, actually in the previous uh, legislative session, uh-huh. uh, to fund $25 million in reimbursable general obligation bonds to establish open access landing sites. And, and not to oversimplify this thing, but really to make it easier 
for Trans-Pacific cables to land in Hawaii because that's one of the areas where we see we need more capabilities and, uh, and we need to take advantage of all of the new technologies, everything that's happening in that area. Well, a lot of the undersea cables, and we cover at undersea cable news on this show periodically, mm-hmm. um, there are some pretty big initiatives happening. But, you know, the danger is or the threat is that it's, it's just as easy or, in fact, it might, be, might even be simpler for a lot of them coming from Southeast Asia, trying to get to Canada and the West Coast. You might think that, oh, they can take a break and stop in Hawaii. But actually, a stop in Hawaii is more complex. And there are regulatory concerns. And there's the cost of creating those landing sites. So it makes sense for, I think, the state to to kind of make it a little more simpler so that we can be part of a significant upgrade in infrastructure because most of the undersea cables that currently serve us broadband are not exactly new cables. Correct, correct. And and, and that really is was the intention of the of the uh, of the state really looking at uh, putting together this critical key infrastructure that we thought. And in many ways, what it does, it, it takes away some of the permitting and regulatory risk away from these, tran- these trans-Pacific cables, which, you know, in my conversations with, uh, w- with a couple of the cable providers that were here or that are working in the Pacific right now, they consider it the number one risk for them when they're actually, you know, doing it. If they want to land in Hawaii, it would be the permitting regulatory land cost obviously mm-hmm, is very mm-hmm, expensive mm-hmm. in Hawaii. So if there is a way that Hawaii can actually, you know, uh, help that process, make it more efficient, uh, you know, there are some cable providers that say, you know, sometimes actually it would make sense for us if it if it was cheap enough to land. B- because what they're saying is that when you run a long cable like that, you know, if one side of it breaks or if it breaks somewhere along the line, you got to look for it. Oh, yeah. But if, if you know if it breaks on one side and if you're kind of like right in the middle, at least you can take 50% of <laughs> yeah. the equation away, right, right, right. right? right. Uh, no, from, uh, from your ongoing operating and, ma- uh, and maintenance. So th- there are opportunities for the state here that, uh, you know, again, go well beyond just uh, putting, you know, putting landing sites and getting cables. But everything else that comes with it, you know, we've just been uh, identified. The state was identified as one of the, you know, the test pilot areas for commercial uh, unmanned aerial vehicle mm-hmm. uh, uh, studies. So, you know, all of these things are going to require broadband. Mm-hmm. And and the amount of broadband that you know that the average consumer I mean, like I can say you know like you know when I was growing up I never used broadband when my kids were young they probably weren't using that much and now they're on Netflix every day mm-hmm. so now everybody in the household is like bogged down because everybody's watching Netflix so the the need for more capacity and more uh, broadband is there. And what we need to find is we need to find those initiatives in our economy that's going to grow that market. Because at the end of the day, our population is not growing. We're not, we're not adding a new island where there's going to be a new market where broadband cable providers can say, okay, I got a whole bunch of new subscribers that are going to line up. Mm-hmm. But the demand is growing. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you balance that growing demand with making sure that the capacity is there and that the prices don't go out of, out of whack? Now, you, one of the things that you pointed out, which was, uh, uh, I think, it kind of a, a spark that went off in my mind, is, and, and you sort of described who one of the key customers are for broadband mm-hmm. and what's really driving uh, and putting the momentum behind this initiative. And maybe you can sort of go into a little bit about what some of the partnerships uh, that, that uh, were fostered to help drive this decision? Well, we think, well, obviously, uh, the military uh, is, a, is a big partner with us. They're, they're a large consumer of broadband capacity. Anecdotally, we hear, you know, uh, stories that, oh, well, it's, you know, it's faster for them to throw a 
hard drive on a jet plane and fly it over to the West Coast mm-hmm. than it is to pipe it under the uh, on the Trans-Pacific Cable. So they're obviously a partner that we're looking to, to engage a lot more in the state's efforts going forward. We think there are also opportunities uh, for the utility. Once we start you know, and now, sorry, no mean to go into the energy side, but once we start looking at smart grid applications, the mm-hmm. transmissions of data, you know, and how how energy is delivered to individual households, all of this stuff is going to take data. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Georgia, from the creative industry side, I know that broadband is a significant concern as well. Oh well, yes, I the mean, holy grail. <laughs> I have to say, I I you know I love to create content. I'm I'm a content generator. That's the the way you describe it now. You're yes. not a writer. You're a content <laughs> generator. But I also like making videos. But the reason why videos continue to be a constraint is that I can make a beautiful ten minute video and then spend the next six hours uploading that video. <laughs> so broadband is, I would say, a constraint for creativity. And I'm not even an artist. So from your perspective, uh, where does that piece fit? Like I know that on the Big Island, for example, they have uh, the the incubator for creative industries. And broadband was a key part it of is a key finding part. success. And that's a perfect lead-in. Um, great question. So uh, you're mentioning our GVS Accelerator, which is in partnership with our Hawaii Strategic Development Corporation and Creative Industries and, and our department. Uh, it's a critical component. If we're going to grow our small businesses, our individual creative entrepreneurs, and our innovators in the state without broadband, landing sites, the ability to access facilities that may be created by the state or in partnership, public-private partnerships, to have these hubs statewide where we can address those issues. It's critical to us. Um, if you, as you mentioned, Lewis, you know the Netflix issue. We were uh, touring the uh, our Hawaii film studio and talking with Hawaii Five O, who do do a significant amount of uh, transferring of files mm-hmm. for dailies, as well as they're trying to move into the sound uh, post component. But even when they upload their post files of sound only, it takes forever. It's back to the putting the hard drive on the plane. So we are looking at a very solid solution, which will be in partnership with the broadband initiative. And that is to bring in a strong, well-known partner from uh, the mainland that works in the post-production and entertainment industry and launch something that we think will be of tremendous benefit to not only creatives, but to all kinds of businesses, the medical community, for example. Yeah, telepresence. Exactly. We're an island state. I know from, you know, living on a neighbor island how critical it is for those uh, people that are getting older that may not have those medical capabilities on the island. So being able to have that telepresence is critical. And also education. I think that, you know, some of the partnerships we're working on right now uh, really will help showcase what broadband can do for the state and for education. So, so Georgia, Georgia, I mean, this, these are uh, great applications, and we've kind of, kind of heard, of, heard of them before, but uh, you're talking about things that need to happen now, and I kind of want to get a sense, Lewis, like what is the timing for this broadband initiative? I mean, I, I love the idea of a sort of state-sponsored landing site, and, you know, you got $25 million that's kind of earmarked towards that, but realistically, what is it? What's the timing for this to happen so that Georgia can have her <laughs> applications that she's talking well, about? You know, <laughs> Thank you, Bert. It's, it's definitely a lot easier said than done. And, uh, you know, given my background, I, I, there is, there's a huge degree of financing uh, involved with uh, actually landing an undersea cable. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. it is going to take a public-private partnership uh, between the state and, and third-party providers, third-party operators uh, that 
what we got to do is we just got to shore up the need that exists in Hawaii, start packaging all of those things together, and and work with a third party. Because at the end, $25 million is not going to get you a cable. It'll get you a landing site. It ain't going to get you a cable. A cable, mm-hmm. just, you know, preliminary estimates, just a cable running from the West Coast to uh, Hawaii will probably cost in excess of $150 million. Mm. If you want to run one from West Coast to Hawaii, then go to Asia to to provide more redundancy and actually get more access out because everything is is about, you know, just getting us out to the rest Mm -hmm, of the world. mm -hmm. It'll cost you probably over $450 million. Mm. So and that's not something that the state is, you know, is is willing to kind of cough up, you know, on its own, obviously. And and. We, and we shouldn't because there's going to be a lot of private activity, commercial business, commercial business. defense interests. So, yeah. so there are uh, individuals that are there. So what are we looking at in the time frame? We're looking at a time frame of about five years here to actually start getting something you know, done, actually getting boats in the water, pulling a cable mm-hmm. uh, through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- there's still a lot of prep work. We, we are To say that we're at the infancy stage right now would be an understatement. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are at well, the Well, five years, stage. I mean, we'll be here. We'll, 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 cover, we'll, cover, that. Here. we'll cover that story. We'll absolutely Lewis. cover it. I was about to say, though, that by that point, maybe most of my kids will have left the house, and I can just watch all the Netflix I want. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also want to continue the conversation. Infrastructure is important, but we talked last week about STEAM, adding arts to STEM, and I want to get our esteemed guest thought on that. But before we do that, we do need to take a break. Um, but we wanted to give an update on the ongoing early bird campaign here at Hawaii Public Radio. Now, HBR's early bird uh, watchers, we can say that we now have 184 donors that have given in advance of our upcoming pledge drive. Now, these members know that by doing so, they're helping us lower that amount that we need to raise on air and interrupting programming. So we do want to thank this flock of loyal supporters, starting with Alexandra Lau, pledging from Oregon. Thank you, Alexandra. Well, yeah, very good. And we have Hannah Cracker from uh, Wailuke. 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 All right. We have Leslie Allen from Honolulu. Thank you very much for your support. And we have Antonia from Kihei, Maui. Woohoo! We love those neighbor island calls. Absolutely. And finally, someone named John Keave has pledged support for Hawaii Public Radio from Kapa'au, where my family is from. So thank you very much, John Keave, a very talented musician there. Oh, wow. So we have now reserved for 300 members who've pledged $150 or more a reward of 250 bonus Hawaiian miles. This is always a very popular reward, and there are just 116 reward packages remaining, so don't wait. And in fact, if you become an HBR member for the first time and with your minimum pledge, of $150, you can get an additional 500 miles. We've already had nine new members call early to join. So show your early support by calling 941-3689 or toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689 or you can go to hawaiipublicradio.org. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Kani Kapila Sunday is my favorite program because it allows you to discover so much Hawaiian music. There's such great Hawaiian music coming out, and to be able to find out about the artists, listen to the songs, listen to a variety of music, is one of the most satisfying ways to spend a Sunday afternoon. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. There are, counterintuitive though it may seem, actual reasons to get magnets implanted in your fingertips. It also um, 
turns you into a very sort of low-rent version of Magneto from the X-Men. I didn't say there were good reasons, did I? I'm Kai Rizdal biohacking next time on Marketplace from APM. This evening at 6, following Bite Marks Cafe. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Louis Salaveria and Georgia Skinner about Hawaii's economic development and creative class. And of course, right before the break, we were building up the suspense. And we're going to be talking about something called STEAM. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we actually had part of this conversation last week when we were talking about STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. And they threw the A in there for arts and creativity. And, Georgia, you know, we're here with you now, and you're, you know, the creative industry's queen. And, of course, the <laughs> oh, A is probably – Czar, Czar. Czar, Czar. Okay, okay. Czar. Very nice. So, okay. so the, the, a, <laughs> the, the A part of STEAM, I mean, tell us, is it important to have that included in the whole STEAM, STEM movement? Absolutely. It, without it, there is no innovation. It's pretty simple. And a lot of people have written books about this, you know, um, A Whole New Mind by Daniel Pink, uh, Richard Florida. Without a creative mindset or developing that at the earliest possible stages in our schools and then in our uh, secondary learning uh, as well in, in college, right, you need to have the ability to dissect a problem and approach it creatively. Many, many inventors, whether it's Thomas Edison or Philo T. Farnsworth, they were great musicians. They solved their mathematical problems by taking a break and thinking and playing music, which activated their mind in a certain way. So uh, the arts in STEAM even goes deeper. It's not just arts. It's the full creative mindset that mm-hmm. you have to teach. And mm-hmm. so what better way to do that? We had launched a, a program way back when I first started in creative industries called Creativity Academies, which was a partnership with John Rand, who I guess you had on the show before. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. And so so flash forward to today and we have you know a really exciting partnership that I think is really going to be a terrific example that people will understand and we're partnering with the Department of Education and just found out today 37 teachers will be joining us to help really flesh out this idea of STEAM through a program called Pixar in a Box. Pixar. I, I'm, I think I heard of that company. I've heard of Pixar. <laughs> yeah. Now – I know that they have a film coming out next year called Moana, where it's another. Yes, it might be. You might say, "Oh, another Disney princess, princess story." But this particular Disney princess is the son of uh, daughter of a chief and a Polynesian navigator. So I certainly see a lot of good timing. But so Lewis. Uh, Pixar working with the Hawaii Department of Education—that sounds incredible. Well, you know, when when I first uh, entered the role, and and Georgia just very very aggressively came into my office <laughs> I can and, see and, that and gave me a book and she gave me a book to read which has left a very profound uh, uh, impact on me and, and my thinking of the creative arts and I don't mean to sound like the economic development guy here but when 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 we bring in this issue and we and we bring in this issue of the arts in the steam uh, you know one of the things that resonated with me very very uh, uh, very well from that book was that yeah we're gonna we're gonna put out as many steam students as we want but so is every other developed nation in this world. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do to differentiate ourselves, to make us the differentiating factor? And, and, and it is going to be that arts. It's going to be that creative, that content developer guy that, you know, that these STEAM guys are going to look up to. Mm-hmm. And, and so when, you know, with that, 
And, and when Georgia came to me and she talked about this Pixar in a Box uh, initiative, and I says, okay, well, we got to go call the DOE. We got to get everybody together and just start collaborating. And, and you know, I, I'm going to say from a government perspective, and, you know, I, I'm, I've split pretty evenly between private experience and public experience. You know, shoring this thing up, which Georgia brought to me probably about maybe four or five months ago to now to actually going to roll out to have teachers on board. Mm. I mean, this is government working at lightning speed, <laughs> actually. So, so this is this is how how uh, you know how interesting and how exciting this particular initiative is is for us. Now, you said uh, Georgia, you said thirty seven teachers. You know. We've had uh, robotics people on, you know, we've had the Science Olympiad, the Science Fair, you know, everything that's extracurricular that's happening in schools, we've had them on. Do they have any more time to have more extracurricular activity to embrace this addition? This is not extracurricular. This is actually based on Common Core. So Mm -hmm. it's in the school day. And I have to say, as as Lewis said, you know, he made uh, a really great... I feel a great decision to be able to just push forward on this and, and help me work with Tammy Chun at DOE and all the senior management at DOE and their lead, um, you know, Dewey, who is handling all of the mathematics, because the, the program itself is really about learning mathematics, science, engineering, and creative storytelling, but through the Pixar characters and all the science and technology that they use to create that CGI, that computer-generated amazing work that we see. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and we all know that the story is important, and I think we are teaching a lot of that in our schools. But what happened was the senior management at, at DOE said, yes, we're totally on board. We had maybe three conference calls with Pixar and their partner, Khan Academy. And as you know, Khan Academy offers free training online for anyone of any age. And this is all free. But what we're doing that's different here in Hawaii is we've partnered with Pixar to then engage our teachers and their respective classrooms in middle school and high school to flesh out this three-year curriculum at every stage, test it in the classroom, give feedback to Pixar and Khan Academy, work with the DOE, and then roll it out. Mm -hmm. So they will be intrinsic to the process of making it a more vibrant and realistic program in the classroom. So I'm curious, I mean, for, for Pixar to, to partner with schools makes sense. I'm not sure. Is this something they're doing all the way all across the country with millions and millions of schools? Or yes. It is. And what what would Pixar's benefit be for them to to participate in a program such as this? I can I can certainly see the, the academic interest. There's professional development for the teachers, and students get to use cutting-edge tools that are certainly marketable in the technology field. Um, what, what does Pixar say when, for example, in the, in the conversations with Hawaii, for example, what are they excited about? Well, I think they're excited about the fact that they're showing students that what you're learning in school is absolutely relevant to your future, whether it's as an animator, an inventor, Um, a really great entrepreneur in the tech space, that these are tools that are used every day by Pixar in their process. So it's almost like taking an existing animation or digital media class, and the teachers that were asked to participate are mathematics, um, science, engineering, and 
and our digital media teachers um, statewide, which, you know, we have amazing, amazing teachers. But it's getting back to that mindset that Lewis was talking about, that our students and even us as adults need to understand. And that's why Pixar is excited about using their platform to educate more and more people about the value of science, technology, engineering, and math, but through the creative arts. So the 20, the 37 teachers, do they span a grade level? I mean, what, what yes, grades are... Yes, they do. Uh, is so this going to happen from, like, the elementary school all middle, the way up? Middle school middle to school? high school for now. And there will there's uh, not only in addition to the online, but there is uh, interactive components of these lesson plans. Again, they're all grounded in Common Core standards. So it's not something that's after school. It's something that's in school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, my contact, Tony DeRose, who won an Academy Award for his work on the mathematics behind doing many, many of the things that you see in Pixar films today, is a dedicated educator in his own right, even though he's a brilliant scientist and engineer. And I think through the introduction to him, which I was fortunate, one of our students from our USC film program back when I was uh, on Maui as the Maui Film Commissioner, Tiffany Tyra, got to give her a shout out, Mm -hmm. you know, UH art student now running the Pixar HD department. And she said, gee, you should talk to Tony because he's doing the same kind of thing as that creativity academies that you were doing. You, you guys are on the same page. So I think what's in it for them is that that altruistic idea that they're giving back and they do in so many different ways with the Khan Academy platform, which was the perfect partner for them, being able to roll this out and be able to test market all of the pieces before they go public was the opportunity for Hawaii to seize, and we did. Mm-hmm. No, I, I certainly like the idea. I mean, Hawaii has a history in animation, computer animation, um, now in game design, and I'm, there are more and more game design classes in our schools. Um, so that, this certainly fits right in there. When I hear, though, you know, Pixar in a Box and 3D animation and uh, Khan Academy, which is fantastic, there's certainly a technology component to that, and that also sounds expensive. So uh, how is um, this Pixar partnership um, going to work with the DOE, for example, struggling to air condition classes? Uh, exactly. How how do they find the room in their budgets for something like Pixar in a Box? Uh, because it's all available online using existing tools that they already have. So they have internet access. They can get to everything that they need. That's correct. Do you, do you envision a, uh, a place where some of the works that get created get showcased so that I'm everybody sure. else can appreciate perhaps uh, what the kids are learning. I would love to see the content that comes out of this stuff. I mean, (laughs) this would be be some really cool stuff. Yeah, I think that we're, you know, we are, we do have another call coming up, I believe, in the next two weeks. And we'll be talking about those things also in uh, having the team come out. So we'll be looking at doing some uh, event in possibly November, December to talk about, the introduce the teachers and, and showcase what the future looks like. There are many, many threads off of this first toe in the water, I can tell you that. Well, you know, this is a little early, I guess, for the students that participate in this Pixar in a Box, but what is definitely a need, and somehow we need to find a way to bridge the creative, let's say, uh, student and their pathway into, let's say, design to the engineers that are now part, you know, getting involved with entrepreneurship and startups <laughs> and there's always that need to put that team together that has this designer. You know, they they talk about the technical lead, right? But there's always got to be that sort of designer and the the UI 
mm-hmm. user interface person or the person mm-hmm. that's kind of building the design. I mean, what has made Apple so successful is the design of their exactly. product, right? So that design element is kind of a key thing. So I think there's a there's an important thing that needs to happen to to bridge what they're learning with Pixar in a box to the point where designers are coming out and they're actually hand-in-hand with some of the engineers. And that's why you have to start at the elementary and then middle school and high school level precisely because of that, because you see students going into the UH Manoa or other wonderful programs around the state in other universities, and they are all in siloed thought process. And what we have to do is bust out those walls, bring in the creative so that we have this entire continuum of learning that delivers those designers to engineers and makes great products for the future. You know, we, you know, we should have had John come on, John Rand come on. And see. I'm curious, does is there a UH component that perhaps there will be leverages you know, what is happening at the you know the uh, yeah? And I have to schools? say that you know what what was the precursor to this was a partnership with the New Media Arts Program, the STEM program at Kapi'olani Community College, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well as the CTE program at the Department of Education. So we. have have worked um, collaboratively with those team members before, and absolutely, now we have, it was really funny, because the first call that I had with Tony DeRose, I said, you can't believe this, but like, I, you know, we were trying to roll out this idea many years ago, and now you've come back with something that's so solid, and tied into these Mm. terrific partners, that this is just a dream come true, would you, do you think, maybe could we, and they said yes, so... Yeah. There was no, absolutely no way we were going to pass up on this opportunity <laughs> when it when when Georgia first brought it to my attention. Well, it sounds very exciting. Now uh, we talked about broadband, a lot of these initiatives, and certainly this Pixar in a Box, which is still coming together. Or yet another co- planning call to come up. Lewis, is there somewhere that somebody can go or somewhere that they can track something like this so they can be ready and and follow its progress? Oh yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, they can go to the to the State of Hawaii DBED website. Uh, we have sections inside there for the Creative Industries Division. Right, right, our website, and also pixarinabox.org or Khan Academy. That's K-H-A-N Academy.org as well. Fantastic. Sounds great. Louis Salaveria is the director of DBED, and Georgia Skinner is the chief officer of the Creative Industries Division over at DBED. And we want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you very much. Had a thank great you. time. It was wonderful. And thank you for listening to Bite Narcs Cafe. Join us next week when we'll find out about the latest cohort that's going to spend a year in a simulated Mars habitat on Hawaii Island. And if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at feedback at BiteMarks.org. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at BiteMarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Koslovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's Lily B. from MIT, who's, when she's not working on open data, she's playing her ukulele. And here's a song called... They don't make them like you. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Time.